0: Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me. Today I have on Rochelle Ray. She founded RMR Consulting after recognizing a need for flexible proposal management to address the ebb and flow of marketing needs across the industry. Having battled burnout at various stages of her career, Rochelle has become a passionate advocate for proposal education and increasing process efficiency for marketers. She works with individuals and teams to identify opportunities to improve their marketing efforts increase communication, and ensure pursuits are given adequate resources to prevent staff burnout. Welcome, Rochelle.
1: Thank you, Gilan.
0: So before we get started on preventing burnout, I'm curious how you got started in this industry. What's your story?
1: Right. So I kind of fell into marketing and proposals in AEC. I started college and got a job as an office intern with a local architecture company. And they kind of just gave me odd jobs like, hey, organize the files for our most disorganized principal. And when I failed at that, they were like, well, you're an English major. So why don't you edit proposals for us? And it turns out I was actually pretty good at that. So I started Doing more and more in the proposal space. I started doing full proposal coordination, and then we had some staff turnover, and I was eventually doing marketing support for the whole firm. And then went on to grad school in Austin, had this amazing opportunity to work for a much larger AE with tons of marketing resources that I could never have imagined before. But that's the first place I actually started to feel burnout and started to look Mm -hmm. at the proposal process and how variable it is and how difficult it is to staff proposals really. Cause you just never right. know when they're going to flood and when they're going to be gone, you know? Yep. And so that's where this idea to start consulting took shape and fast forward a few years. And here I am filling in that gap and trying to be what I wished I had had back then the support that comes in provides a
0: little extra help when you need it. Right. Perfect. Well, burnout is a really hot topic right now, especially following 2020 and now you know working our way into 2022. So what do you see as some main causes of burnout?
1: Yes. So I think unrealistic expectations that we place on ourselves and are placed on us by others are one of the most significant causes of burnout. And as I've been consulting I've kind of found that the role of marketing isn't always clear within an organization the level of understanding of what the function of a marketer actually is varies right right so some internal stakeholders like our project managers and leadership that are more involved in proposals tend to have a slightly better understanding of what we do and the burdens that we take on ourselves but then there are plenty of technical staff that kind of just think projects magically appear. Right. They just don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Someone just says, hey, you're on 10, 20, 42nd Street now, go for it. And they're like, right, I've been given a project. And they have no idea that marketing just spent like months working on the proposal package for that and the interview for it. And it just so they just think it's magic. And the reason it seems magic is because we work really hard to make it seem that way. Sure. Because, you know, we try to be really organized and we try to be really efficient. And we try to understand that technical staff are working on billable projects, right? Yeah. And so we try to protect that and only ask of them what we absolutely need. But when other technical staff don't see those steps and don't see us specifically working with our subject matter experts to get content, they think we write it, right? Marketing just does it. Right. And so that starts to cause tension. And when there's tension between our team members and there's stress on us because we're feeling the highs and lows of winning work, and we really place that burden on our own shoulders. Like when I was in house, very acutely felt that I was responsible for the success of the firm. I very much felt like I didn't win enough work in my proposals that I was responsible for. Mm -hmm. I was directly responsible for layoffs or us closing our doors or whatever was going to happen. And that's not something an individual should feel responsible for. Sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of marketers are that way. We're very type A, we're very proud of the work we do. And so that stress compounded with tension between our team members just leads to burnout. And often you're screaming into the void, trying to ask for help, but because other departments don't really understand. And there's this weird phenomenon where marketing is sometimes just seen as like a step above admin and it's actually not that important. We don't get the help we need. And it just, that leads to burnout because you feel helpless and you feel stuck and like, there's no way
0: out. Right. And especially like you mentioned, things being exacerbated by 2020. I know that when you lose a project in 2020, you're thinking, are my colleagues going to have jobs? Like, am I going to have a job? So it's, exactly. I do think there was even an extra pressure that we're sort of still working our way through. We're in this pandemic. 2020 was obviously a very heavy year and you know, there, there's some knock-on effects of that. So absolutely totally agree. So what are a few tactics that you have seen to work effectively to prevent burnout?
1: So two things I think are really important for preventing burnout. And the first one is to combat that miscommunication is to provide education within the company. Right. So making sure that everyone really knows the function of marketing, what they can do, what they need help with and why it's important to help them when they ask. So that really needs to come from leadership. Leadership needs to make sure that technical staff have both the time between their billable projects and marketing to assist with providing whatever marketing needs. And then marketing also needs to understand, you know, the boundaries that there are with technical staff because they are unbillable projects. So we need to make sure we're making things as easy as possible for them and only asking what we need of them. Yeah, And then- Often it's difficult to get leadership on board, and sometimes that's because leadership is just so far removed from proposals. It's not that mm-hmm. they don't care, and they, they probably do understand how important those are to keeping their business going. Oh. They might have even started the business 20 or 30 years ago and were writing all the proposals themselves and just don't realize how things have changed in that time. Sure. And so providing education to them as well and tracking data and using that data To show, hey, our team put together X amount of proposals last year. We put together X amount this year. These are what our win rates were. These are the hours that we spent. And using actual hard data to say, like, a single human being cannot be responsible for this amount of work. And you can see as we increased that the quality declined, or we didn't win as many projects because we didn't have the resources to provide the quality needed to win those projects and like using hard data and attaching things to dollar signs works really well (laughs) when you're talking to leadership and keeping Mm -hmm. it simple too, like only show them what they need to know. Right. Don't walk (laughs) through your whole process with them. Like, it takes me this many hours just to do, you know, resumes and project sheets. Just say like, takes me this many hours to do a proposal you put 12 proposals on my plate. It is not humanly possible (laughs) to do that. Keep it simple. And then the second thing is, like I said, we are very responsible. We put this responsibility for success on our own shoulders. And so we need to let go of that and try not to internalize the wins and losses as much and let go of that guilt and set boundaries because- Another thing I see marketers do constantly is just bend over backwards. And I don't know where this started or why, but we'll be like, all right, our technical staff is on billable projects. If they get me edits by the end of the day, I'll just work the night and I'll get us back on track because we have to get it done. Right. And proposal staff, we just, we won't drop the ball. Like it's, we just can't. Mm -hmm. And so we take it across the finish line, even if that means working all night, working weekends, giving up family time, giving up whatever it is, sacrificing personal health just to get it done. And so we also, to prevent burnout, need to be responsible for ourselves and start setting boundaries and being firm and saying, all right, I gave you a week to do this. It's now been two weeks and we can't get this thing done. Like, you have to set that boundary and you have to be empowered to set that boundary as well. Again, that's getting leadership on board with letting you pull the plug. If you don't think you're going to have the quality proposal that you need to turn in. Sure. And then I know I said two things, but this one really, (laughs) really rankles me. And so I just wanted to point it out for maybe some organization leader is listening and can change this at least in one organization, but Marketers are often salaried, and so they're not billing time to specific projects, which Mm -hmm. makes them really easy to bulldozer. Like, it's really easy for an organization to take advantage of your time when you're salaried. Right. And I've also seen organizations stop tracking at the 40 hours. So, like, even if their marketers spend 60 to 70 hours a week on proposals, their systems stop counting hours after 40. Okay. And so it really skews their data and makes it look like, well, they're getting everything done in a week. So why on earth would we need to hire? And that's, it's something to do with being tied to the fact that they're salaried. And so we just need to abolish that whole yeah. <laughs> marketers being salaried thing.
0: Yeah. One of my mentors, just when I first started out in this career said, never take a marketing job that's salaried, always take an hourly marketing job. That is the best advice I ever got.
1: That is amazing advice. I wish somebody <laughs> had told me that early on. Cause I learned the hard way.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so awesome. then if you're known as more of a submissive yes person, or even just a yes person, you don't necessarily have to be submissive. How do you go about setting these boundaries? Cause they're tough boundaries to set.
1: They are incredibly tough. And I think my first question would be actually to ask whoever thinks that they're the submissive yes person or just the yes person who is telling them that mm. because often we are painting ourselves as the yes person and we are saying things like, like I just talked to a marketer today and she said something about, you know, I hope that you do better with working with the team and setting boundaries because I didn't do it very well. And I'm like, well, but maybe you did actually. Right. And you just think that you didn't because they took advantage of or bullied you into, I don't think that was her situation necessarily, but I think the first thing is to change that thinking. Right. Right. Like you are not just a yes person. Maybe you have been, but you don't have to be sure. And I think that's just a way of us fear trapping ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I've always said yes. So if I suddenly start saying no, what's going to happen? Like you're afraid you'll lose your job. You're afraid you'll lose face with the technical staff that you've built relationships with, mm-hmm. and you don't know until you try. So if you are that yes person, and I am guilty of this as well, you just you have to get over that fear. You have to acknowledge that you are afraid. And say, okay, what's the worst that can happen? And then prepare for it. You know, if you put down a boundary and you get backlash, then maybe you have to go back to some of the other steps we were talking about, like education or data tracking and say, you know, when you have me pull an all-nighter to put together your technical approach or edit it, the quality isn't as good. And I can prove it because the last three times you've had me do that, we've lost all of those jobs.
0: Right.
1: So back up your your boundaries, you're putting them in for a reason. So keep those reasons in mind and communicate those not as much from a personal standpoint, because I think that's where we start to feel like we're whiny and we're told that we're whiny. I've definitely been told that I'm a whiny complainer before (laughs) What? (laughs) because I was framing it as, I mean, it wasn't those exact words, but it was very much like a, Hey, you're complaining a lot and it's not cool. And it was because I was trying, I was trying to explain like where I was at and how sure. crazy my life was. And they were just overloading and adding all of these responsibilities to me. And I just couldn't take anymore. And instead of taking the approach of like, okay, you have me assigned to X amount of projects and they take up X amount of hours. There's no way I can get these done in a normal week. Mm-hmm. Like I was knew I was very green. It was very, very early in my career, like way back in the olden days. And I was just like, I, I got to the office at four o'clock in the morning and I left at midnight. Like, what do you want from me? And like, nobody understood what I was trying to say.
0: Right. So really
1: take it back to that data and the reason why you need that boundary and tie it back to the success or failure of a job or a project or a proposal and you'll, it'll be a lot easier to set those boundaries and not seem like the whiny <laughs> squeaky wheel or whatever. Sure. And more, yeah. I think you'll have more respect as well by setting those boundaries. Cause it's good for the whole team. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, and one person on your team who doesn't set a boundary sort of hurts the rest of the team, you know, exactly. especially if that becomes the expectation. So If you don't want to do it for yourself, (laughs) do it for your colleagues. Yes, please. (laughs) So if you're a manager and you're starting to see signs of burnout in your employees, how do you go about rerouting that?
1: Again, data, data, data. Mm -hmm. My track, everything. So if you are starting to see burnout, go back and look at maybe why. So if it's an issue of workload, then you're going to need to make an argument for either a smarter division of resources or additional resources. So maybe what happens, I think, to a lot of marketers is that um, marketing becomes this like catch-all term. So they're proposal people, they're marketing collateral people, they're also doing website and event organization and social media and blogging and award submissions. And uh, that list could go on for pages and pages and pages. So looking at those responsibilities and saying, okay, actually, we're going to take Website, social media, and events off of your plate, you are just responsible for proposals and award submissions. That should balance out your workload. Right. And then maybe you need to create an additional role specifically for the digital assets or event planning or whatever it is, but you need to be able to go to leadership and say exactly why. And that comes back down to knowing how many hours it takes, the effort it takes, the how much it's interfering with other things, because a lot of times, you know, leadership is like, oh, well, everybody does social media, like you millennials, right? Right. As millennials yeah. just yep. know how to do this stuff. And as mm-hmm. a terrible millennial, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't play with the TikTok. I don't, I don't, I don't know what any of that is. Right. So as, as someone assuming, like, I just know how to do that and could just like do it on my free time in addition mm. to my proposal responsibilities and stuff like that. That's a cue for education. Like somebody needs to know that, Hey, that's actually an entire job and here's why. Right. So yeah, yeah, just, just always go back to that data. If you can talk about what needed to be like, maybe you had so many pursuits on your plate last year that you had to no go a bunch and then Mm -hmm. maybe they were ones that you would have had a better chance at, or maybe the quality of work of your projects or your proposals was affected by not having ample resources to go after things. Right. Or maybe it was just like lack of involvement by technical staff. So I've, I had that issue once when I worked in house where I just could not get technical staff on board. So I went through and I pulled all of the hours that technical staff spent on proposals. And I was able to prove that when my technical staff put in more hours to help me with a proposal, like within a certain amount, Um, right? like if they put five to 10 hours on a proposal for me, we were more likely to win that proposal than if they put in none. And so I was able to take that to principal leadership and say, Hey, you could talk to the project managers and just let them know that we're like 60% more likely to win a project. If they work with me, that'd be great. And they did. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, there's hard data. If you're 60% more likely to win a proposal because your project manager, like, actually helped you, <laughs> leadership right. is going to say, yes, go do that. Yeah. Um, and so that created a good conversation. But all about data, all about dollar signs,
0: be able to back it all up. So I think that's good information for when you're in the conversation. But how do you approach these tough conversations?
1: Right. Again, I think that comes back down to acknowledging that these are scary conversations to have, um, but they don't need to be. I think we are afraid of outcomes that may or may not exist. So we're often afraid of, we're very much afraid, I think, of backlash or getting fired or damaging our reputation within the team or within the company. And the way to to combat that is to, again, acknowledge um, that you're afraid of it. And then I like the approach of like, what's the worst that can happen and how do I prep for it? Right. And the easiest way to prep for backlash is just to approach these conversations as professionally as possible from an informed perspective and also not spring them on whoever you're trying to talk to. Like, I think often we get to the end of our rope and we just, our inclination is just to snap. And so when we have the opportunity, we just unload, right? Right. On leadership or whoever it is. But I think if we go in and we ask permission to have this conversation first, we prepare for it. We have our data to back it up. We can talk about if. If a big issue did happen, and that's usually when these conversations start, right? Like some, someone dropped the ball, something exploded, something terrible happened. Take that opportunity to not like harp on it or go over, like take responsibility for it and then use that opportunity to say, well, here's how we could have fixed it or prevented it. And here's how we can do that moving forward. And it's going to be important because it will happen again if we don't prevent burnout if we don't stop stressing and overworking our marketing staff right so ask permission have data take opportunities to use bad situations and turn them
0: into good things right perfect well if our listeners want to get in touch with you or know more about your work where should I direct them
1: Definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I am a self-proclaimed proposal nerd and I love talking about <laughs> proposals with literally anybody. I talk to people all over the world about proposals all day long. I love it. So find me, I think it's for Shell Ray Marketing. And uh, yeah, send me messages. My inbox is always open. I'm super, super friendly. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that's how we connected. Like, yep, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just answer and say, cool, let's talk proposals. It's my jam. So you're on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, I'll provide a link to your LinkedIn and also to your company page in the episode show notes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. This is really exciting.
0: All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer Podcast. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.